Hi, and welcome to Keen Minds, where we're covering NBC's The Blacklist. This is Season 5, Episode 14, Raleigh Sinclair Third. I am Jen, a.k.a. Takata Cycle. And I'm Tessa. And apparently, we're hanging on to the hate tonight. That's Yep. That's our tagline tonight. <laughs> yep, we are. We were so. Chat- how did you like it? Oh, I liked it. I expected to like it a lot more because I'm a huge John Noble fan. I mean, I, I liked him in Lord of the Rings, of course, but he he was Walter Bishop in Fringe, and for anybody that knows me, Fringe is one of my all time favorite shows ever, and also. Walter's character and Red's character are very similar in many ways. And I I have said for a long while that I could see the way Fringe wrapped up with the way Walter reacted to his son and his son's family being very similar to what they do with Red. We'll see, but that's it's something I've said for quite a while. And so to see, you know, to see John Noble, a.k.a. Walter mm-hmm. Bishop, on blacklist with with red was was very fun he's a fantastic actor and i very much enjoyed it was seeing yeah it was very good yeah you seem to like uh walter but you uh seem to be having just a tad bit of not love for red let's I, just put it like that yeah i mean i i'm very upset with red right now just because he doesn't he's not learning and we'll see how it goes at the end of the show i mean i I commented, uh, and I think it was an ask, ask, I can't say that word, an ask that I got the other day. It's a proper que- word, is a question. Yeah, there we go. Um, but <clears throat> so, someone sent me a, a question on Tumblr the other day. It said, do you, uh, do you want to see Red Dead at the end of this? Mm-hmm. And I, was I remember like, that I one. I said, one, that's so loaded. Why would you ever, like, you're trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> There's no other way around this. I said, and two... Let let's dive into this, and and this is this is good for the podcast because I'm, I'm Jen here. just pull her her sleeves up, so you know we're up for something. <laughs> Pulling sleeves back, getting ready. Um, so, I, as the as the character analysis on this podcast, th- this is my my bread and butter here. That, and as the redemption arc fan that I am, that I, I believe that there are two most redemption arcs can be categorized two ways. There's the redemption arc in which you have a character that they just they, they keep messing up, keep messing up, keep messing up in the same way. They basically have something huge that they just can't get over. And at the end of it, because there hasn't been you know the, the appropriate amount of growth to be able to go on, at the end of it, there is this realization, big realization of where they've screwed up. They finally get it. And then there's a self-sacrifice in which their redemption comes in the form of their either their demise or having to give up this thing that they've been struggling with this whole time. Um, And, you know, bleep it out for five, five seconds here if you have not seen the end of Fringe and plan to. In Fringe, Walter ended up having to give up his son and his son's family, his son that he fought for the entire show give up and be separated forever from them. He didn't die, but be separated forever from them so that his son and his son's family could have a happy existence. He could not be in their life no matter how much he loved their son, or his son. Um, and so I, I don't believe that that's possible at this point for Red because he's already proven that even if he walks away, he keeps coming back. He can't stop himself. 
Um, but anyway, so that that's one redemption arc, that, and that's what I see Red going on right now because there hasn't the the other redemption arc is like what we saw Tom go on, where he he they you know wh- whoever's on that redemption arc, where they figure out that they've screwed up massively, and they they make decisions and purposeful movements in the right direction and little by little you know they, they pay the price and then they get better and that's their redemption arc is this clawing towards the light and th- those are the two main redemption arcs and red and tom are great examples in this show of those two different type of redemption arcs and th- the way i answered the, the ask the other day i said you know i would have loved to have seen red do what tom did that's what I wanted. That's what I was in this for. I said, at this point, I don't see that happening. I don't want Red dead, particularly. I, I would have preferred them go a different direction with his redemption arc. But this is the direction they've gone. I, I see his ending being a much darker one in which he has to sacrifice himself for Liz to be able to have any hope for any happiness in the future. And That's what you want? That's what I see coming. Um, mm-hmm. What I want would have been to change some things a while back, but I'm not on the writing team. They didn't ask my opinion, so it is what it is. This is what I see coming for Red from an analysis point of view there. Um, and, you know, it's 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 sad, but it also happens with a lot of characters. I, I have characters that I've loved dearly that that's, like Walter, that that's been how they get their redemption. What I don't want to happen in the blacklist is for Red never to be redeemed. I will be very put out if it ends with him never getting it and, like, dying at the end, but still never getting it. Again, Genra. Genra, my favorite thing to say. Um... I I honestly think that the blacklist can end with a grand gesture like that. That's one possibility. One that actually would not be satisfying at all. Honestly, what I want is to learn that <clears throat> Red Red has to learn some things. He definitely does have. He ha- he's one of those grand characters that have a tragic flaw. And I'm not sure that he can get over that tragic flaw because he seems so attached to it. And that's so what I, that's what I mean about the... He cultivates it and polishes it every day a little bit so it's nice and shiny. Um, he so owns I, that I, flaw. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, it's shinier than Demba's head. Um, <laughs> I love a man with no hair. My husband has no hair. So there. Um, <clears throat> so I think that, that the... Um, but the other thing that could happen is that we learn what I've been suspecting all this time. Red is actually running a, a, a big operation, something that is very, very important, not, not f- for, for humanity, for the country, um, for all this. And, and that a lot of the things he has done, although they seem, you know, it's, everything is a point of view. You have to see from the perspective of who's saying it. So, um, I don't know. I think it could go either way. 
uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end there is this grand, um, you know, either it can end up very dark, like with Cooper in jail and Wrestler in jail, or it could end like a kind of caper in which uh, Red is then either um, uh, restored to admiralship or he fakes his death and Liz gets the the flag. Um, but then, of course, we have to get over a particular little hump of when uh, Liz finds out that Red did have something quite important to do with Tom's death, if Tom is dead. You know, Tom King may be dead and Christopher Hargrave may be dead, but then Hargrave was never his father's name. Um, See, they've never said Christopher Hargrave's dead. Huh? I don't think I've ever heard them say Christopher Hargrave's dead. No, but he had a death certificate. Oh, yeah, when he was four. I mean, that's, I mean, he's obviously been shown alive since then. So I, I could see, I could see him coming back as Christopher Hargrave because for, for all the anger that I have at the Johns right now, Camp has been very clear that Tom Keen is dead. Tom Keen is dead. Was it he, who did he come Oh, he's a Debt to uh, Jimmy Hoffa. That was it. Come on, you're giving me. Or he was <laughs> DOA. That so he fast. wasn't DOA. He was very alive with the eyes open in the, and when he was being wheeled in in the hospital. So he wasn't dead on arrival. And definitely Jimmy Hoffa was never found. I For all we know. Found he, many, many years later. Nope. Never oh, been never found. found. Okay. Ever found. For all we know, he left and enjoyed his millions or he was killed and nobody knows where he's buried. They've been many, many things. But, you know, it's like Jimmy Hoffa's money. Nobody knows where it is. Nobody knows where Jimmy Hoffa is. And it's just the way it is. So it's a very peculiar way. You know, there's so many other things. You know, there is a plaid. Yeah, there's a lot of very, very peculiar things. See, um... I rewatched it last night, the episode, and then today I was actually doing other things, um, the storm day, and I rewatched one through three, episode one through episode three of the first season. Boy, I tell you, I take my hats off to the Johns every day a little lower. By the time this series ends, I'm going to be like licking the floor that they pass on. It is impressive impressive when you go back and you rewatch, especially if you rewatch with an open mind. So let's get to this blacklister. How did you like him? Um, like I said, I, I love John Noble. Um, I, I thought he was fantastic as a blacklister, very believable with, with the, the OC, the extreme OCD and the, the just, I, I very much enjoyed all the little micro expressions that he used for that. The man had, you know, the character had zero remorse on anything. He was just harsh. I mean, <laughs> when when he shot the guy, when I mean, he got shot. When have sh- you seen a blacklister with remorse? Eh, there there've been a there've been a couple. Um, but I'm just saying that he's just he's hard. Unapologetically happy and good at what he does. Yeah. I mean, and which makes a fantastic villain. It really does. Um, but just w- when he shot the guy and it's just going, well, it wasn't going to end any other way. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> um, I was very happy at the end that he did not get thrown in prison or um, or uh, killed 
the, I, mean, I'm interested to see what he's going to do with him. I was going to say that means he may come back. We may we may see him. We may not. It probably depends on on John's. Uh, you know, he's part of the team now. He has he's planning something. Whenever we see Red doing weird things, he's got something planned on. Oh, he's got quite a few balls in the air most of the time. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I loved it. And I, did you notice what he was wearing? It was sort of plaid. It was plaid. It's plaid in my book. Okay. <laughs> and since I am probably one of the few that actually believes the plaid theory, there you go. <laughs> I, I haven't seen anything to disprove it, because you're not wrong that when it shows up a lot of times, there's something funky going on. But to be fair, there's something funky going on pretty much all the time in the blacklist. <laughs> True that. <laughs> and so, and that may be more it. But you're right, there is a lot of plaid, and I, I I have never seen anything to definitively prove it, but I certainly haven't seen anything to disprove it, if that makes Well, sense. how about when I, when I said, and I said on the podcast, that I thought it was Abe was the bad guy, and hello, he was, he was wearing plaid. I knew, you know. But anyway, so I loved him. He was so deliciously evil and, and all that planning that he did. And like I love that hold on to the anger. Uh, I thought it was very timely that we're getting a blacklister that is talking about, you know, uh, holding on to the anger. and Because in a way, that's what Liz was doing. He was, she was holding on to the anger. She was healing first, but not in order to go forward, but in order to just gather strength, in order to go deal with those. She was physically healing so that she could kick some ass. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Mm -hmm. So it was very timely, and, and I didn't believe at all Liz saying, oh, I, help me find a way forward. Hell no. Liz is very much like a father. Um, I don't believe that this that that there is a lot, um, and I don't think that Katerina was any different, honestly. I don't see Do why think? she would have been. No, no. They don't live lives in which uh, for forgiveness is something that you can do. Like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Well, Liz is a very forgiving soul, but she's a forgiving... After getting even. Uh, well, that too. <laughs> but mm. she's a forgiving soul for someone who's willing to change. Uh, and for someone she's already got a connection with. She's not going to just forgive the people that murdered her husband. That's mm -hmm. not that's not going to be on the table for forgiveness. She forgave no. Tom after Tom made the adjustments. To, the only person she's forgiven time and time again who has not made appropriate adjustments has he's been right. Red. And that's because he's her dad. And she I think she's known that at least subconsciously the entire time. It's I mean that that is more or less reasonable. It's understandable that she she continuously forgives him because she's been looking for this man her entire life. Yeah, and it was very moving, you know, that that she what she said at the end, um, and, and it's something you know that I've been saying since 2015 that Liz knew. So it was it's very gratifying to know that she's always known that Red was there looking for her and uh, watching, looking out for her. Or not so I I love a blacklister. I love that he that Red made a deal, and I'm looking forward to see what on earth is he getting together because now he has his arsonist he has the uh the the guy who's uh the planning magician uh, so he's been picking up a few interesting characters for his team 
Yeah. Very, very nice. Um, was there anything else on the blacklist that you thought? Um, no, I mean, um, I thought it was interesting the snap judgment he made uh, when the guy was five minutes late. Just, nope, this is not going to work. And as soon as... It, well, with the doppelgangers, he made decisions and then immediately acted on it. I'm not entirely sure that that wasn't more or less of a show as a, a continuous test when he got up and started walking away to see if the guy was really interested. You know, like, mm -hmm. all right, he's already five minutes late. You know, if he fights for this, then let's go. But if he yeah. doesn't, then I'm not, you know, I'm not putting my... <laughs> My myself on the line for this guy. It's interesting because they had done another blacklister that dealt. It was more fantasies than than revenges, but more or less working. Well, it was the gin. The gin. Yeah, so, I thought about that. I did. Yeah. So, so what we're seeing is that the same themes are being picked up over and over. Every time you twist them a little bit, it's like a crystal, and you twist it a little bit, and now you have another facet, like a diamond. Well, you've also got uh, Recompense. What was his name? Um, uh, the Debt Collector. Debt Collector. Yeah, th yeah. There's been a theme running through. I mean, there are definitely links between blacklisters that they're painting a much better, bigger picture here that the, the pieces are all going to come together eventually yeah and and it was red talking about about uh, and not red uh, the therapist talking about um reckoning and so we, we know that those those themes are going to come back and I, I thought it was it was a fascinating blacklister i love the actor i think he did a fantastic job He was he was creepy and at the same time interesting it's like it's one of those and i love when they started talking books Hello, that was the best conversation ever. I just that is how right with Solomon and and, um, and Ness. Well, it was, and then coming back, what was your name again? Yeah, he's just a little crazy. I mean, yeah, like, I, I, mean, I, I obviously he's, you. No, I don't think it was dismissing. I think he's just, uh, they called him OCD, but th there was, there was something else. I don't know what, I'm not, I'm not a you know, mental health expert or anything. But there was something else there, and it maybe it was just hyper-focus, where he's got these details down, but then if it doesn't... It, it almost reminds me of Sherlock Holmes. Um, for anybody that read Sherlock Holmes, where he had all of these details, but if it didn't fit what he needed for that case, he threw it out. You know, the earth is round? Okay. You know, <laughs> we, we go around the sun. I, you know, it was going around the sun, I think, was what it was. That Holmes just didn't know that. And I, I remember reading this years ago and, and Watson going, how do you not know that? And he's like, is it in my case? Why do I care? And that kind of strikes me as, as the way Sinclair was. Mm -hmm. That if it doesn't have to do with what he's working on, it's inconsequential. And Reddington had never crossed his path. He'd never had a reason to know him. So, and, and he has no reason to retain his name. It's not, you know, yes, it's affecting him, but it's also not something that's going to get logged into those, that particular important database there. Yeah. Singular focus. Yes. Um, so you want to start with the uh, task force? Yeah. Um, I, I loved, uh, when I was doing my rewatch today, I, I noticed that wrestler, um, when he, uh, 
when they're going through right after, you know, Reddington gives them the new blackluster and everything, he gets really close. I mean, he kind of flips it, uh, you know, what, what the blacklister is doing, but without a whole lot of information, he's almost able to, I don't want to say profile. It's not quite a profile, but he's, you know, he, he mm. assumes that the people are being not the hot. ones committing the crimes. Yeah. The, 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 the doppelgangers are the ones committing the crimes, which is what happened in redemption. Yeah, well, it's also that he has now a lot more experience in the subject of creating fake alibis. <laughs> yes, He's he got does. a primer. Yeah, he got a <laughs> primer on that. He was part of it himself. Yep. So, yeah, it's amazing how I, I, I was posting that today that Wrestler was um, much a much better cop now that he understands a lot more things. And it's, uh, you know, he may not be squeaky, he may, you know, but it definitely makes him a better cop because he has a better understanding of the human psyche. Yeah, he, he knows the links that people will go to and he just is able to wrap his mind around it a little bit better. It's, mm -hmm. I like that subtle shift for him. It's very subtle, mm -hmm. but it's there and it's nice. There was not much for the other uh, members of the task force. I mean, Aaron was Aaron was solving the case and giving all that information, but definitely, uh, the, I think that one of the of the of the good guys was uh, Cooper was very interesting in this uh, that conversation with Red. Definitely, it was interesting because I, I'm still kind of mulling it over in my brain because. Setting him down like that and saying, you know, you've been p playing it fast and loose, but once she gets her badge back, there's none of that anymore. And I'm going, you know, Liz, you the the moment he said, welcome back, Agent Keen, he knew what she that she's going to go to any length. And it also brings up another question that um, I've actually been talking back and forth with uh, Allie over on Allie Blacklist over on Tumblr. Why has the team not been going after the people that put Liz into a 10-month coma and killed Tom. Why have they not been researching this? Why is nobody... I mean, why was? Why did the you know local PD get a hold of this? That makes no sense. Well, I think it was needed for plot. Well, I um, do, but it's... I, I feel there, like there is something interesting about Cooper that I think we should discuss as we're discussing this. Did you notice that Cooper got a promotion? Unless it's a very, very bad snafu. No. He's not assistant director anymore. Oh. He's deputy director. Oh. The deputy director of the FBI is a second in line. Well, all right, then. Second in line. He may need that soon. <laughs> That's uh, That was somebody in Reddit made that observation. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. I wish I could remember who it was. Probably my what I call my Reddit hobby um, because we keep going back and forth. So, <laughs> I love that Reddit hubby. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, he's weird. Um, but it's I I you know he's had a lot of great ideas, and we get a lot of heated discussions. So Reddit hubby fits perfectly. Um, I think it was him, but I'm not sure. But anyway, it was a brilliant discovery because I it just went right by me, and I'm ashamed of myself. I should have picked it up, but I noticed that there was, remember there was a lot of stuff going around at the beginning, like my boss and my boss, and I'm ashamed of you too, Tessa. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I deserve it. I deserve it fully. That should have been like 
my ears should have gone like, whoa, wait a minute, did you say deputy director? I so, didn't catch it either, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're looking for character development. I'm looking for those kind of little things. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I, pattern I, I, seeker. I, I did catch a couple little things in here that I plan to bring up as we go along. There's one but, particular one that that I'm very proud there, of. The reason that I interrupted that I interrupted you about Cooper was because I thought that that was relevant. Cooper, I think, got very nervous, and I think that he's got under a lot of pressure. Remember how much pressure he was under, and then he was going all crazy, like you can't do these things, and then it was like fine to do it. And I think that is all this part of this is that Cooper is has a lot more responsibility and a lot more eyes. And I've always thought. Cooper is a is an interesting character because he said he was a golden boy. Just fresh out of the academy, he's recruited. And he's uh, into a, a joint FBI Pentagon task force. And he's like giving and he's uh, getting evidence with Red. And he was also running some things with Red. He seemed to be doing a lot of things with Red. And, and I don't know if you have... And it, this is the reason why I started rewatching from the very beginning is because every time that I see Cooper and he does these weird things, I start going back and go back to that first episode. And I'm thinking this man knew that Red was, was surrendering. He didn't quite believe that it was true, but you know, he knows Red. He knew who Liz was. He knew who Liz was to Red. Um, he may play it, not like it, but, you know, he's not saying I know who he is, but if you notice what he did say during when he gave a list the the results, it was he said so that you know, not that we know. He knew exactly. He might. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't have a firm opinion on if Cooper knows or knew before or not. Um, I don't have a firm. I I could see it. I. Definitely could see it, um, but I, I've never seen anything that makes me one hundred percent certain. So, uh, so my point of bringing that up is, I think that when he goes, they go the fast and loose has to end. I don't think it is just, you know, the reality is what I think he feels he has to say, and that's fair. That that helps it make a little more sense in my head because when I saw that, I went. That doesn't, you know, like, he knows them better than that. And it may just be that's him covering his own butt and saying, well, I told him. You know, what more do you... And, mm -hmm. you know, it could be that their place is bugged or being, you know, watched or something like that. I mean, you never know. Um, I, I, mean, I, I have this very f deep feeling that is being bubbling on and off that we're going to get some surprise about somebody in the in the uh, in the post office or somebody that we have seen or something because something there's still a lot of plaid being worn around there after there is arguably no secrets and they still plaid so i'm thinking I, you know, I feel like I missed a great opportunity when I went up to New York and we had dinner of not wearing my, like, single plaid shirt that I own. <laughs> I was so expecting it. <laughs> I feel like I failed you on some level. <laughs> I was going to get my plaid something in and uh, it didn't fit, so. Yeah. I <sighs> 
Don't uh, gain weight. My, uh, yeah, me too. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> said every woman everywhere past, you know, 25. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, no. Um, it was also, that's that's one of my summer shirts, and so it's not exactly mm. a, uh, you know, snowing in, snowing in New York City <laughs> kind of shirt. <laughs> yeah, well, some other day. Yeah. Next time I visit. If you get invited to a panel, we'll be sure to wear plaid. Oh, <laughs> uh, next time I'll I come visit you. I'll wear plaid and a mask. <laughs> huh? Next time I come visit you, I'll wear a plaid for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about, about um, should we talk about about um, Sinclair or the or you want to talk about the therapist first and then we get into red. Okay. And- do, do we, yeah, let, let's, um. Uh, because boy, that woman needed to to chill out. She is either have something very personal with Red. She's dirty. Uh, she's with someone. There is. I mean, the first thing you meet someone is. I think you're a a, a serial killer. A, a glorified serial killer. Okay, let let's do this. Let's let's because this woman. This woman and, and I saw Blacklister over on Tumblr. Blacklister two one four, comment about it that she just. She's either a horrible therapist, like, because she's supposed to be trained in the FBI. To and, and so I said, she's either dirty, because she really reminded me of that judge um, in uh, in season two. It was like, Rich okay, Denner. I don't have clearance, but in order to clear you, I need to know everything. But you're not clear to know this, but I need, but your fate is in my hands, and so I'm telling you, you have to tell me everything. We don't know if, if, um, if the, what was her name? Um, Ful- Fulton? Fulton. Fulton. Yeah. Um, also very close to Fulcrum. Um, <laughs> I could want to call her Fulcrum. Um, <laughs> but we don't know what kind of clearance she has. You assume that she has a higher clearance, but all she just, wanted was access to Reddington. That's and that's it. I mean, did she have something exactly like you said? Did she have something personal? Is she dirty? Is she being manipulated by Garvey in the background? And we don't know. She may be one of Garvey's goons. The fact that he is, uh, you know, U.S. Marshals means he has a very strong far reach. She could be in his pocket without ever being dirty and just think she's doing what she's supposed to. Exactly. Or this could... A clean, dirty. Yeah, like Sinclair. And this woman, if she is in the FBI, you know, maybe she wanted to be a profiler. Because Liz said that she learned about Reddington in Quantico. So what Mm -hmm. if this woman learned about Red in Quantico? What if this is, you know, kind of like I've said with Tom, having sort of the hero worship going on there. What if this is sort of half... What was it... I don't know, that was off the podcast. Uh, you know, this... You see this man who is bigger than life, who is, you know, moving up and down the most wanted list all over the place, but is well, never... Well, he's at the top. Uh, I was gonna say, I think he's... always rises. I, I think he's number one by this point, but he started off as number four. I mean, mm-hmm. and so... But that's what I'm saying. Top five on the most wanted list, give or take any day. And so, I mean, this is a huge thing... And so I could see her wanting to meet him for that, but then she goes and just starts saying that he's a glorified serial killer, and I still can't tell if she actually thinks Liz is a good person or not, because she sits there and tries to basically say this man that had nothing, you know, that, that you never really met before you were 
28 years old, I think, suddenly made you a demon spawn, you know? And I'm just going, are you crazy? Like, what, what, where were you trained? <laughs> that, that was, a, it was, it, you know, from the point of view of a therapist, she was appalling. She was but horrible. I, and I'm sitting there going, Liz, call her on her crap. it was very <laughs> interesting because she was nailing that thing that Liz always had this sense that somebody was watching after her. And again, it goes like, you know, you, you meet her, you meet her. Yet this, I, it's, all, it's something that I've, I've never seen discussed very much. And she brought that to the attention. How come that, for all the people that say that, you know, Liz never lived with Reddington, that Liz never spent time with Reddington, people who don't believe that Liz is bubble girl, they, Liz always had this instinctive trust for, for Red, even when she hated him. The, she doesn't tell Cooper about the passports. She tells Red about finding Tom's passports. Yeah, it's so a subconscious, some, subconscious yeah. trust that she has in him. You know, like your father, you may be angry at your father, but he's still your father. Exactly. You know, you, you know other than, than true monsters, most fathers don't go around killing their kids or, you know, hurting them. You know, some some do, but most relatively nice people, even they're, if they're somewhat monsters, don't do that. Yeah. So it was it was interesting to hear that. So I think that she wanted to meet Red. She wanted to see Red. Uh, she wanted to establish some connection. She had a tracking device on herself. Uh, she put something in the. I don't know what it is, but I found interesting. Uh, there is all these people closing on on Red, and yes, she did look very. It was very similar to Denner. However, Denner had a lot of maritime items around him. He had naval and and mm -hmm. ships and. So it kind of gave me an impression that if anything, it was more an ally of red than a foe. But this woman didn't give me that impression. She gave me an impression of very much wanting to get back at red. She has something, a, a beef with red. Personal. Yeah. Make it personal. It's, yeah. She the just first lesson. And I couldn't get over her, you know, profile yourself. It's like it's it's one thing when Cooper said that in season one. He's not he's not trained in in you know in psychoanalysis. He's not trained in all of that. And I mean, I I am not either. You know, shocker, everybody. Um, but but I do have family members that are that are in you know mental health and such. And you never you're never supposed to work with someone close to you because it's you're you're off you know you you, mm -hmm. you you have personal biases on that and so to have it's one thing to have cooper say you know analyze yourself but to have another therapist say you you should analyze yourself i mean when like, yeah, it just like the way she said it. It just something about it seemed so off to me. Actually, <laughs> the roomie was like, "Okay, wow," because I'm sitting there yelling, going, "That you're a horrible therapist. Why?" <laughs> you know? I thought that I saw that, and I thought to myself, "Woman, you are so out of your depth in here. I mean, you are, 
you you think you're in the driving seat. This woman is going to take you and wrap you around your finger 15 times. And I kind of wish Liz had just done it and been done with it and just exactly that. Just wrapped her around, spin her, spun her around, and then was done and walked out. I, I That would have been fantastic to watch. I don't think she can because it would be suspicious. She has to give it a few times to to uh, make it believable. Otherwise, Maybe. nobody's going to believe it. Yeah, that, that may be it. That may be it. It's you know it's it's very interesting to me. Uh, one thing about her is that she like Singleton, and that is where I think the connection is start to 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 connect to me. S- she kept insisting about the five men that die, uh, of which you made the comment that it Red didn't kill them all. Yeah, don't I kill ma- a few. I, I made those in the notes that uh, it was interesting. She kept pushing on that because she, I think she's focused on Red kill, killed these people. Red killed these people, like Singleton and yeah. In- and so it's never even crossing anybody's mind because if the in this goes back to how well he was. You know, the, the scrub, and I think that the scrubbing of, of everything he's done since it came out who Tom is has been done by the task force and has been done by, you know, their connections. I know you think that Tom was undercover with the CIA. I disagree. Where I'm coming from, that that scrub has been done very well. But I think it's I think that if Julian Gale had continued and gotten access to everything in in the files linked to the task force, he would have found a lot out about Tom Keene. I think Tom is all through those files. He is classified. He is deeply classified at this point because of his connection with Liz and his connection with the Reddington task force. I mean, they they all know him. They knew him, know him. Oh, I I hate talking about him in in past tense. But it makes it more powerful. Um, But... There's that connection, and this woman who knows about Liz's connection with Red has no clue about her husband. But but the before we go back there, um, th- there is something against that, which is Tom was able to get uh, jobs, you know, before he was tied to the task force, before they knew that he was back alive. He was, his name keeps getting clean, and it was always clean even before that. So I, I don't know about that. I mean, I have my, I have, I have basically a proof. I have a proof that I keep yelling. I sometimes I tell you, I feel like I'm the kid in the in the thing, and then when it happens, and I get confirmed, I'm like, didn't you see? And everybody just keep going about the mustard. I'm like, ah, that was very important. How? <laughs> <laughs> so you guys can't see us, um, but we, we both use the the earbuds for phones and such to make sure we're not echoing back and forth. She just screamed in the mic, and I think my eardrums are gone. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I forget. You okay? Tessa's trying to deafen me. That's really what's going on here. <laughs> don't mm. let don't let her fool you. <laughs> just lower the volume. Just lower the volume of the microphone. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry about that. Yeah. So that that you know, and, and we can talk about that a little bit because I think that that that's an important point. When when he gives the list to Berlin, 
and I did a, a gift set about that. Um, when he gives the, the list to Ber- to fake Berlin, he gives the list in within moments of he get walking out of that apartment. Rhett receives a visit from Fitch, and Fitch tells him the task force is is a target. And remember, Berlin is dead. Fake Berlin now is making his own little plans. And he tells, there's no way that Fitch had learned this thing because he hasn't he hasn't even been on the phone. But Fake Fitch didn't even know who this guy was. He had to when Red asked him to find him. That's when he learns the name. That's when he learns who he is and finds him. And then and and. It, Time-wise, it's been less than probably less than 15, 20 minutes. And Fitch comes right back at, at Red, tells him that, and arranges to escape. He doesn't tell Cooper that would have saved that. He tells Red the task force is under, uh, is a target. And Mira gets killed. That's what Tom takes Liz. And it, it came back to, to Eugene when he said, we do it for real. We don't do it at all. I you let Wujing know, and then Mira finished the phrase and said, and the race begins. We try to save him. Wujing tries to kill him. You know, and I think you know to me that was like so obvious, and it's like it's still like it's right there. It's really right there. Um, you know those those, and I've learned slowly that those little things that don't match come back. They always come back. They do tend to, and, and that's that's one of the conflicts I've had over the last several months with this show is because I, I've seen the capabilities of this writing team, and they're phenomenal, and so I have a very high opinion of the team, and that's probably one reason I've been so, no, it's not probably, it is the reason I've been so critical of them lately, is because, I mean, there are things that I've... I've brushed past. I mean, everybody, it, it is a television show. You've got a select amount of time. They're going to be things that don't, you know, make it past, you know. But they're usually pretty small. They're, you know, you know, and then you've got the dog. Um, <laughs> the dog is a lingering, a lingering issue that cannot be explained. <laughs> I, uh, a couple. That's three, like milk cards and uh, well, Agnes. A, a couple, three years ago. No, no, it's not. A couple, three years ago, uh, the roomie and I went up to uh, visit some friends in Connecticut and the four of us drove up to go see a, a play Ryan was in. And one of them asked him about Hudson. <laughs> and he just got the most <laughs> awkward look on his face. <laughs> he was like, well, the original dog died. And we're like, yeah. But then they got a little, you know, lap dog to replace him. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and then he disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knew. I, I think it must have become an ongoing joke in the writing team after that. And they thought it was funny and none of the super fans did. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I even I even came up with an excuse for them. It was perfect. Spy dog, shapeshifting spy dog. No, 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 no. It was that they didn't own Hudson. They were just um, they were just uh, foster parents, and so they call any dog that was with them Hudson because it was a much easier way. I've never heard that theory of yours. Oh, it was in the page of. Pfft. Back when Hudson was a thing. 
Yeah, I mean, and for some people, hot has never stopped being a thing. For me, stopped being a thing a long time ago. It's. <laughs> I'm just saying that there are a few things that have lingered throughout the show, mm-hmm. like Hudson. That you know that you just kind of go, okay, you know, you know the the, the baby changes. Obvious, just things that happen in TV shows that you just. There's a certain amount of disbelief that you you suspend there. Got to suspend, yeah. And I mean, that's just watching a television show. Some of it needs a, a crane. Other one is yeah. just a little fishing is fine. Overall, this show has been phenomenal for for little details. And so I, I know how fantastic the writing team is, but because of that, because of that expectation, when they do screw up on something that I consider major, and granted, what people consider major is always going to be a certain point of view there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've got things that I, I am very emotionally invested in, so when those things, you know, I may hyper-focus on those when other people don't. And that's that, that's what we do. Everyone does it in the when you're in fandom. But... I judged them more harshly because of their talent level. If I didn't think they didn't that they didn't have an extreme talent level, I wouldn't care. And I just go, eh, they're just they're they're Hollywood writers. It's fine, whatever. You know, they they have no talent. It's fine, <laughs> but they do. They have phenomenal talent. Even losing as many of their uh, their lead writers as they did for season five, I think I heard at some point that they lost like. Five lead writers or something like that. I mean, they, they promoted, obviously. Um, and they promoted great people. Like Dave Metzger uh, got promoted to a a, yeah. a, a main writer on it. Um, he got an office. Um, <laughs> I remember seeing a, a, a photo floating around of him in a mirror in his office. <laughs> he was so proud, as well he should be. You know, I mean, so they, they promoted some really fantastic writers up, which is great. But even losing the big writers like Knopf, you know, um, it's there's just so much talent there. That so what what bother you? Well, redemption is going to continuously be my big issue. Well, but we're, we're rehashing that, there. My my yeah. point is when I focus on things, when I hope you know, when I focus in on a key that I dislike, and when I'm really harsh on the writers. In my own way, that's because I just expect so much from them because they, they, I know their talent level. Well, I, I think that that uh, and and the and the thing keeps coming up and and I I I got a couple of asks, probably more like three asks. I don't know if I answer all of them because all of them were just basically the same thing over and over. I, I think that people tend to com- confuse the redemption storyline with. The Tom story in the blacklist. Um, I, I think the redemption storyline was simply Whitehall. That was that arc of the of redemption was simply Whitehall. Tom's kidnapping. Um, Tom's been taken by the major, and everything that happened to Tom and and who are really his parents and and that's all part of blacklist. That's not part of redemption. That the and and I, you know, I wish I could. I wish I could. People would believe some of the things. The things I haven't ever put in in out there, and I, I won't for the time being. Th- th- that's all going to come back. But trust me. Remember when I said this entire season was going to be about Tom? This entire season has been about about Tom, and and it's going to continue, and that's not going to get pushed out. They just needed to wrap up redemption and they needed to do it in a couple of phrases. 
so bad though. It's but so but bad. it's not it's not wrapping everything about Tom. As you can see, Tom has not been forgotten. And it's it's fine. I, I we we've we've gone down the rabbit yeah. hole here. We but, we have. I'm sorry. Yeah. A lot but, of that's my the, fault. Okay. We were going in the yelling that's a problem that, that I see. It's there is this woman keeps yammering about the five men killing the apartment. Yeah. Singleton Yammering's seems a good good term for her. I like yammering with yeah. her. <laughs> she was she was a yammer. She was yammering about those five men. Singleton was she, yammering about the five men. Kind of Everybody, reminded me of a yappy little dog at his heels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. She she had I mean there was something about the way that she was going up the other five men you want to find who catch them like lady are you insane those five men were hurting them and they were about to kill her you think she's going to care because anybody yeah. who tells you oh yes I care about them I call their BS oh my gosh it's not so even much it's an <laughs> elephant s this is big I mean these guys I would have been like. I find them and I'll put a bullet in yeah, them. Yeah, are there any left? I'd like to finish the job. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is it's it was ridiculous the way that they kept going, but but it makes sense if if they're from the Nash Syndicate. I mean, I, and Singleton was given the line that Red was wanted to take over the Nash Syndicate, and that's why he's killed his people. So that's a line that he has Singleton investigating. But it's funny that. Dr. Fulton keeps going at the five men, and then Singleton keeps going at the five men. And, and who took them to the hospital and is all Harvey. going to the Harvey. So, I think so I, and that's why I think that she's probably linked to him. Even if she's not necessarily dirty herself, she's at least been set on this path by Garvey. Yeah. He's just got a very far stretch. Yeah. And yeah. and you and you know, you said nobody ever gives you your due. I will say, while you said he was the head of the FBI. The a uh, U.S. marshal has a lot of power. So major kudos, Tessa. You you call the fact that he had that he was law enforcement and that he was high up. And yeah. and, I, and, and and I was wrong because I I said that if he was that he's got well I don't I wasn't wrong with the fact that he's got a major ego issue. <laughs> yeah, he does have he's a major ego. <laughs> I think he I was does. right there. <laughs> so I read oh, the yeah. character correctly. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's he's a he's a piece of work, um, but it's interesting that because we're seeing all these things, and it's very interesting that he's that he's a U.S. marshal, um, but it, it's also it's also interesting about him that we're getting constant reminders of of uh, U.S. Marshals. I mean, we had U.S. Marshals in, uh, in, they were keeping tabs on Carla Reddington and her daughter, which is highly unusual in if somebody's been giving a, a different identity. You know, you, it's it's to, for your own good. You're not going to go blabbing in there. You're just going to get your identity and keep going with your life. Nobody checks on them. That's more protective custody, which is what she was in. So the fact that they were keeping taps on there, and now you've got a U.S. Marshal going after Red looking for Red. I think that Garvey was had control of Carla. And, you know, my theory, I think Carla is one of Katerina's names. So I think that what Garvey is desperate to find is Katerina. Or it may just be a link to Katerina if you, like me, do not believe Katerina and Carla are the same person. It yes. could be it could be the link 
that he's looking for. That's the one, the, the one person he believes is left that would know if Katarina was alive or not. That's interesting. I like that. I very much like that. At, at least it's somebody that he can try to find because that would be a source of power. If you, I mean, she was a secret keeper. That's what Red said. Mm-hmm. So if, if you get, if you have control of a person who who knows where the secret keeper is, now you got a lot of power yourself and power over the cabal. And 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 if somebody strikes me, if they want either he is in the cabal or he wants to be in the cabal, you know that would be a very good place to be. Exactly. I mean, because we we talked about the fact that people power climb in the cabal. They they climb up the ranks. Yep. I like it. I like it. I am for that. Yeah. So it's um, it's a very interesting in in um, you you had a, a good point about Garvey. Which one? That he had no problem killing Liz. Oh yeah, that, that was in the notes. Uh, and for for anybody that's new to Keen Minds, we we do <laughs> we may not always sound like it, but we do have notes we go through. <laughs> we have a general direction to this this chaos that we spout out every every week. <laughs> Yeah, general is a good way of describing it. We ramble. We do. It, it's you know, it's I had difficult some, not to ramble in the blacklist. I, I had someone tell me one time that we sound like we're having a conversation. They feel like they're just kind of kicking back and listening to our conversation about the show <laughs> and that they like it. And so I'm like, that's basically what we're doing. We're just yeah. sitting here and chatting about it. <laughs> we have guidelines. So, but, yeah, no, that, that's what was the comment? Uh, the, the thing was that in the season or the, the fall finale, that uh, was five, 508. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. you, would, you would think that number would be burned in my brain. I think I've just kicked it out. Um, <laughs> like, Sherlock, like Sherlock Holmes. I don't have any more room in the attic. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, but he had no problem killing Liz, who he knew was an FBI agent at that point. And yet on, la- or on uh, Wednesday night's episode, he said, you know, we're not going to bring her in. Then we'll have the full force of the FBI down on us. You know, we're going to let Sinclair do our dirty work for us. And so my question is, what's changed? Is it just that Sinclair has presented a better option for him and he's taking that? Or has he learned more about Liz? Did he not realize she was part of the Reddington Task Force at the time? He just thought she was a low-level profiler. What what has changed there? Or I don't think that Garvey knows that there is a task force. Maybe not. Um, But what has changed there that has him deciding he needs to put distance between himself and Elizabeth Keene's demise? Well, it's interesting. He may not have known who Elizabeth Keene was in that moment when he wanted her killed. It's, um, I'm not sure. Garvey does seem... Gary seems one of those persons who is going after something in particular, and he's not caring much about the extraneous things. Kind of like the until, alibi? Yeah, the, until he gets to, you know, the point where he says, oh, wait a minute, this is not working. Oh, let me see, I got this other thing. But he's not, you know, as opposed to Red, who is a person who takes everything in and see how he can incorporate and use everything. Garvey is very different, but obviously they come from more or less the same school of thought. And and he has a ring. I don't know if this is a U.S. Marshal ring, if it's a U.S. Navy ring, if it's a U.S. Army ring. They uh, all look say, very similar. I, I think it, uh, no, have we seen the color on it? It's blue, but the color doesn't mean anything. You order with the color you want. That's not 
I don't think that's yeah. accurate. Yeah, got, you, you, army army's red. Uh, Air force is blue. Is that true? Because I've seen I army. I think I've I look online and I've seen uh, navy rings with blue, with red, with oh, white, with maybe whatever. I'm, maybe I'm wrong then. Because yeah. I, I mean, I've looked. Harassing. I looked online, and they apparently you can order in any color. Okay. Uh, because what we know is that the guy who puts the the man who puts Liz in the closet in the night of the fire has a blue ring, has a red ring. Um, the other person who had one of those was Sir Crispin Crandall. Uh, and uh, then the two men that are seen leaving, the blonde and the uh, and the plaid man, that don't have gloves. They also have rings, but you know you can't see the, those scenes are shot in a way that you got no ability to know. And um, Garvey is blue, so I don't know. You know, it's obviously not the man who puts Liz in the closet, but I think that they're giving us enough indications about the fire that this is going back on the fire. So either Garvey was at the fire, or Garvey was related to somebody who was at the fire, or this is all going back to the fire. I mean. So many indications. Um, do you want to talk about single about uh, Singleton? Yes, I would because I, I, you know, I've been saying about Singleton for a while. I said he's either a dirty cop or a dead man. Uh, I was really happy to see that he is not actually a dirty cop because uh, I, I liked that twist that they threw in there. Because, like I said, the writing team is very talented. I think that was one of those twists that. It was needed and was well done, well executed. It was well written. Um, they they made they led us along, made us think that he was a dirty cop, and it turns <laughs> out he's being used as well. And so I, I very much enjoyed that, and I still think he's a dead man. Um, <laughs> I don't think he'll survive the season. Well, Bless he's him, not but, exactly like the cleanest cop. I mean, he's doing illegal things. Remind me a little of Liz. But he doesn't know he is. Um, well, I guess he probably does. He's, because he's breaking, breaking and entering? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe a little bit like Liz, you know, willing to bend the rules. Uh, it, well, it, it goes back to, to what Red and Cooper, Red and Cooper, Tom and Cooper talked about in season three, you know. Bend the books, yeah. B- bend the binding or throw it out, you know. Mm. Well, he, he may be a bend the binding kind of guy, but not willing to throw it out. Garvey, obviously, has set the book on fire. <clears throat> um, <laughs> oh, was there a book? <laughs> I, you know, I mean, he lit that thing on fire and then, you know. <laughs> Threw the Stomp ashes on in and, and yeah, threw the ashes into, on in. threw the ashes into the ocean. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's what yeah, I'm not even sure that he even knew that there was a, a, a book. Um, it's an interesting thing because I think that that is is very good that we're tying up all that arc that they did years ago with with wrestler and the dirty cop and this whole thing. You know, even from season one when he's on the in, in Anslow Garrick. You know, and, and they're having these conversations about what this is about and how you could do it. So it's very good that they're tying up. And this season, we have had so many dirty cops. Oh, yeah. They, they were certainly pushing towards Garvey, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, currently, it looks like they were pushing towards Garvey. I mean, there could be a, a secondary as well that, that's coming up. Who knows? 
but or I guess more of a third thing because it, it looked like they were pushing towards wrestler with the dirty cop thing um, because you know is he a dirty cop is he not is mm-hmm. he etc etc and then we see Garvey and it's like oh that's the that's what the rug was you know that's that's what we're supposed to be looking at and but like red they never have one reason they usually. You, you start seeing, at first you see this level, then you go a little deeper, then you go a little deeper. It's like By the, the time you finish. The pennies that mm-hmm. all came together to create an actual map. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the blacklist. And, and that's what I'm saying, that right now it looks like the dirty cops, dirty cops were pointing at Garvey. Apparently that's what I'm trying to say. That the dirty mm-hmm. cops were leading towards and pointing towards Garvey. But there could be something else down the road that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, and and I wanted to go there because the more we see things towards the the night of the fire, the more I'm convinced that there is something about that fire that definitely seemed to have. I mean, it was very easy for Liz to go and look for a fire. She more or less knew she was four years old. Look for fires and start going around the neighborhood and see if something sparks. Yes, she didn't. So I am. I have the feeling that something in that fire was covered up, and that whoever we're going towards, uh, it's been progressively higher and higher and higher up. It was the cabal. It was uh, the CIA director of clandestine services, and Fitch was the assistant uh, director of, of uh, national security. Um, we're 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 keep. Climbing up the ladder, and I think it, you know, sadly, it's just all pointing out towards the present. Or if it's not, that the present is a stooge of somebody else. But uh, but there is something about this that we're going back and we're circling back to the cabal. We're not going in a, in an overt way, but I think that's the back road we're taking is going back there. Those those echelons of the cabal that we haven't seen. Because we, we started thinking, you know, the cabal is just this group, little group of people. Then we find that, no, 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 it's really a little bigger. And that, no, 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 it's really a little bigger. And I think we're about to see just how big it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we've talked about on previous episodes that that's something we haven't, that they've just kind of been leaving. And the Blacklist does two things. They have two different, kind of like the redemption arcs, they have two different directions they take when they're leading up to something. They either just drop it. And hope you forget about it, and then boom, look, we're working towards it. Um, and, mm-hmm. and and they they very subtly work towards it, or they they build and build a bit like the dirty cops, like the fire, like mm-hmm. I think the doppelgangers are building to something because we. And this is leading into another point that I've got on the the notes that I have. Let's go into doppelgangers because I love that part. I do too. I made the first like after watching Blacklist post that I've made in a very long time after Wednesday's episode. I went, there are a lot of doppelgangers here. And apparently doppelgangers is not a normal phrase. I thought, I don't know. I had people going, I had to look that up. And I'm going, doppelgangers, Aram said it. Like I've used that term forever. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I, I have words that I think are normal because I use them all the time and then I find out that I'm just weird. Um, <laughs> but doppelganger. Me and the dictionary are in very good terms. Yeah, uh, doppelgangers, for anybody that doesn't know, because apparently someone looked it up and like the dictionary definition and the vernacular that, that I use it with, you know, in the general sense 
what what I use it for and what what it was being used for when Aram mentioned it, et cetera, et cetera, is more just a double, uh, a a twin, a double, a look alike, that sort of thing. And a, a sort of evil thing going uh, around, it, a, a little maybe, twin to it. Maybe it's not necessarily so though. Um, and so it it's just not evil, mysterious. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I would say definitely mysterious, but we had, um, and you did, you, you reblogged my post with a lot of nice ads on it. I keep meaning to go back and reblog it onto my, my Tumblr so anybody else can see it, uh, that, that follows me. But, uh, what I posted on there, I said it reminded me very much of the doppelgangers from Redemption, because in Wednesday's episode, we had doppelgangers that were hired to so that the originals could go commit a crime. In Redemption, the doppelgangers took the original spot so that the doppelgangers could commit the crime. But those are not the only ones. If Tessa, would you like to? Well, we had. I mean, the most the most famous of them, and the one that comes to to mind is we've had we've had first um, very different ones. Uh, we had fake Berlin. Uh, he was also called Berlin. It was a way of protecting uh, the, mm. the original Berlin. Um, he had his own agenda. He was hired by Berlin. And once Berlin was thought dead, he thought, oh, I'm going to get my little revenge. Uh, that same thing was done by Saubin Hassan. He had a fake Saubin Hassan in order to cover his tracks. Uh, and he was captured. He will say he was Salbin Hassan, so that the the real one could go on and do his stuff. Well, we've had Lord Baltimore is a is a is a bit of a way of 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 a doppelganger because she killed her sister and then assumed her identity. Mm-hmm. And um, there there've been so many so many instances. I mean, let's use a body double in order to go visit. You know, dark list version of a date. Uh, which was go to visit Tom and, and torture him a bit more in the, in the boat. Oh, um, my gosh. She snuck out her window so her dad wouldn't find out. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was, it was you know, the, the dad thought she was playing house. Well, in this version, when this goes dark, that version takes Sky on version. chains and, yeah, and, and some, like, hey. if, if you want a blankie. You know what? Don't judge. Um, some people are into that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Tom should be used because mom then beat him up. So, yeah, he should be like, oh, yeah, the women that love me do this. Yep. He needs um, some therapy himself. <laughs> yeah. I, I suspect the entire family should go for a nice therapy <sighs> session. Um, but but there was, I mean, I, there was, I, I made it in a blog. I don't remember all of them over the top of my head. Um, but we've had... Th- that's been a running theme. You got, you know, fake red uh, in Gregory DeVry. And then I started thinking one thing that I've always thought, but it's just getting to be hammered over the head. What was Katerina doing with all these men that were kind of dark blonde and blue eyed? I mean, did she have a thing for them? Or was it because when you have one blonde, blue-eyed man and another blonde, blue-eyed man, kind of like they mix together in people's head, did Katerina have a doppelganger that would take her place as she would go on changing her many names? There's a lot of very interesting things going on with, with doubles and doppelgangers in, in just, you know... It's I it, it definitely when when the episode wrapped up I went 
That was interesting. Doppelgangers. Interesting. It, it keyed off with me. And I'm kind of holding it back. I'm, I'm holding on to it. And I had someone make a comment, oh, well, maybe it's leading up to Red not actually being Red. And I said, I, I hope that's not the case because I'm going to really roll my eyes at that one. But, uh, but Ian, I, I am aware that I am a bit biased on this. But mm-hmm. and so I, I have trouble telling where I'm biased and where I'm actually seeing something. But I still say that there was something off about how they went about Tom's death. There's just so many little bizarre things about it. And and so many things that I continue to say, the reason I thought they wouldn't kill him, all of those things still hold true for me. The the reasons why I think it was a horrible idea to do so. And faking his death would make more sense in the long run and would help a lot of the little things that felt off that not not necessarily bad writing or anything like but but just the way that they but both on screen and off screen with, you know, basically hammering it in that he was dead. I mean, in interviews, uh, with the insta insta stories that Ryan did, with, you know, making sure to show you know, the brutality of his death and the, the you know, seeing him on the slab. I mean, Into like, cakes. They they went well out of the way. Doppelganger cakes. What? Doppelganger cakes. Doppel- he had two cakes. Oh, he did. He did. Um, <laughs> and so it's funny because a friend of mine who's not watching anymore, uh, Chris, uh, Chris M23, she, she sent me, a, or we, we were talking about it the other day because we both saw the, uh, the, uh, Amir post Mm -hmm. of Amir eating the cake uh, with Ryan's face on it. And he's like, throwback. And we both said, this is either, they don't understand what too soon means. Like, guys, this is way too soon for a throwback. Or they're going at something. Because most of those Instagram stories for those actors are a media stunt. Not yeah, all they're, of them, they're but run lot, by, by yeah. uh, they're not run by. I don't think. I think the actors run them, but I, I think that the sh- the production team gives them direction on some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I I it may be wishful thinking on my end. I'm well aware that it's a possibility that it is, but I don't know. Could have been doppelganger. If if Scotty, that would be the one thing with with exonerating Scotty and Scotty being out with him while he was, you know, going through all of this is that if she knew he was going through this, I, it would be well within Scotty's personality spectrum to have gone. Nope. And faked her son's death Mm. to have gone in with all of Halcyon's medical and saved his life. And I wouldn't put a pastor to kill a man to, (laughs) to fake his death. Well, but you remember that there is only we only see one person identifying the body. One. Yeah. One person and one person alone, Harold Cooper. So all he needed was to have Harold Coopers who already have a relationship with Harold with us with um um Howard Scott and Scotty. Yeah. So I mean, Yeah, it's it's yeah. possible. Um yeah. I don't want to I don't want to throw anything out there and get anything too stirred up, but I'm. It's it's, it's it gives me the little um, feel that 
you know, it doesn't happen all the time. Most of the time, I think he's really dead. But there is once in a while, it's like, wait a minute, that cake had him in a plaid shirt. I mean, they're making, are they like going at me? I mean, I wouldn't put it past it. They've done, they've gone after everybody. Why not me? Like, hello. You know, um, I'm sure that, that somewhere in the back of their minds, there's this a crazy lady who talk about plot. So let's give her a plot. I don't know. I see. Uh, I just it, assume they never know I exist, to be totally honest. <laughs> no, they, they do know. Uh, anyway, uh, I remember we had, we had the, the, the list double, right? Uh, the alchemist. That was basically what the alchemist was doing. Yes. He was creating body doubles, and then he would burn them and basically destroy the bodies so they would have the genetic double, and they would, you know, with the forensic it, things, it would say, oh, no, it's them. And wasn't Cooper looking through the window? Like, I'm trying to remember if he was actually in the room to, to identify him. Was he standing over the slab? He was standing beside with a with a coat folded and, saying, and, and just saying that, and then they slide him in. But... That's since there was nobody else in the room. That's hearsay. That's Cooper saying, "Yes, I went to the morgue. Yes, I identify him because Red wasn't there. Red didn't see it. Red doesn't have a first-hand knowledge of it. He's just we're shown Cooper doing that for a very specific reason. So I don't know. Uh, but I found two more. Um, uh, Bobby Jonica also used. A, uh, it was also a dirty cop. And he used basically a way of doppelganger, identity doppelganger. He became Tensei in order to run the syndicate. Mm -hmm. uh, the alchemist was creating body doubles the same way. I, I just said that. Um, Lee. Remember uh, Lee, the guy from the Ivan? He basically made himself into a, a digital doppelganger. Yes. Uh, Lord Baltimore was, you know, and then the troll farmer used a, a doppelganger to create, to put lists everywhere. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Uh, that was uh, in the parallels that I have noted in the the lists of, of bits to go over. Uh, the doppelgangers were what were my big one. Uh, there was another one, and this one I was kind of excited about. Um, so we were talking about noticing little things. Or, or is that is that all of the doppelgangers? Yep, that's okay. all I got. That's so. Um, so I I mentioned uh, because we we are shaming Tessa over what she didn't didn't notice you know <laughs> it's so rare that she misses something we've got to shame her where we can <laughs> um but uh the other thing that i noticed was a very interesting parallel was the innocence project i noticed that, that one, one. Yeah. oh shush <laughs> i was very proud I, of myself <laughs> i know it was because, because it was a tiny little thing he said it and i went innocence project and she sits there and describes it and i'm going i know what that is only because Tom said he was with the Innocence Project to talk to Lucy Game. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. And I went back to season four and I double checked yep. on it before the podcast. And yes, that is exactly what he said Innocence Project. Yep. So I don't I know. I remember it, that very well. I don't know what it means, but when they pull back on something that tiny, that subtly, it means something. Yeah, it's it's very hard because I, I always tell people like the 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 problem with semiotics is that symbols don't work like language. I mean, in language, an apple is an apple is an apple. Uh, symbols don't work like that. They sometimes work as a kind of of signposts so that you kind of like stumble past one until you reach the next one, and then you kind of point you out to another direction. Uh, and they're not. They're not a, a, a language 
that is precise is 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 a nebulous thing. And is what attracted me to the blacklist was like I could feel that there were so many symbols in there and themes, and I knew that they were giving us a lot more clues than we were even aware. That's when when I started this this rewatch. I, I it was it's not going to be a complete rewatch, but I just wanted to go back to the first season, and I tell you, the more you go back there, the more you're stunned by the quality of the writing. Definitely. I mean, it's always been very, very high writing. And like I said, that's when they do have issues. That's why I get so irritated. <laughs> um, okay, so Should we go into list. Uh, have we gone into red? Uh, let's go into red then. Okay. I think uh, there is more red than there is that there was Liz, but yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's do. Let's do. Um, red. Let's do, let's do red and Liz. I mean, they kind okay. of. Yeah. This this by. was a very yeah. Um. Honestly, I didn't have a whole lot for Red Knot because he didn't have a huge part in this. He did. He had a lot of stuff that he was doing, but it was very much uh, with the Blacklister and back and forth with the Blacklister and, and that sort of thing. Um, but something interesting that I noticed was he has been in that same condo, apartment, whatever that he's living in right now mm-hmm. for quite a while. It's because it's it's been the same place, and in season one he made the comment that he never stayed any place more than what was it two to three nights, mm-hmm. and I mean he was very firm on that, which makes sense for the kind of person he is, and so now he's staying in this place. He's got a house. I mean, like it made sense that he had an apartment that was permanent, that you know was his little safe house that he had. I got that, but this is his permanent place that he has his cook he has all of this stuff he keeps going back to it people he know about Russian it dolls yeah he, well no no no, no. I, I'm, I'm talking about the condo yeah like, he's having people over there this is where he's meeting the fbi and he has the russian dolls there They're there in the, oh yeah they that. are in the remember when when Resser got the bottle of of uh, alcohol right. that was hilarious you're right. Good call. Good spot. Um, but but he's been there for at least weeks, I guess. I mean, he's been there for quite a while. And that's interesting to me because either he's getting lazy and comfortable or I don't know. I don't know what that means that he's still there. I It would be easy to chalk it up to, oh, this is easy for the team. Because, I mean... Here's the thing. They, they use a lot of the same sets to shoot. I mean, because I see those yellow windows in that that place. You know, whatever that is that they're, they're shooting great. in. Um, it, they, they've been everything. I know. I see them all the freaking time. And I'm like, hey, Garvey, watch out. Solomon's going to try to shoot Tom behind you. You know, it's they used it for Redemption. They've used it for Blacklist. They use it all the time. And But that's... but. They do it in such a way, like, yes, you notice if you're a, a big fan. I doubt the the casual viewer notices, um, unless they just pick up on those details naturally. Um, but they're not trying to shoot this place to make it look different. I mean, the apartment Liz is in now that she and Tom moved into mm-hmm. after they got out of the, the safe house, or the, the little half apartment, the safe house... The apartment they had before that and the apartment that they are in that, that Tom died in, all three of those places, I am 98% sure, are the exact same location. They've just rearranged things. 
which is fine. Yeah, it's probably part of the set. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that's that's what they have to do to make it. Yeah. You know, to, it's, a, it's a monetary decision. Yeah, but and so, is, but, but uh, what I'm saying is that they have not done that with Reds, and so it is very much the same place. It's not just, this is the mm-hmm. necessity for the TV. He's been there. I, I, what I think it is, remember Seth said, I'm going to have myself be found? Tell Tom, I'm going to allow myself to be found. No, I don't remember that. What What episode was that from? When he got him in the car and he said, you know, let it oh, go. Was that, is that 508? Uh, no, that was before, I'm going to say probably the travel agency. Um, he said, you know, he had him in the car and said, you know, oh, this is, oh, I'm okay, going to recover that. I'm going to kill the man for his trouble. Yes. When he thought that people wanted to sell it to him, which of course is not the case. Okay. I know, I know where you're talking about now. I do. Um, and uh, yeah. No, maybe that's it. Maybe he's trying to lure them in, and that's that's highly possible. That that would make more sense why he would be. Yeah, in and place. and I think that that red. I mean, I get this feeling from from the from the tone in the themes that we're going into, that we are at least entering. You know, if if you if you can put a a work. Uh, a literary work in having three parts, one in which you perform the introduction, the second one you get uh, the, the the main part, and then when you start the resolution. I'm I'm getting the feeling that we are leading towards the resolution part um, in terms of time in the show. I don't know if it will be one season or three seasons more, whatever it is, but they're they're starting to get things uh, to. to to bring that that middle part down and 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 focus it so you get into the resolution, and that would make sense in a way because I, I am convinced that Red is running a an, a covert mission, a very very long covert mission of which Cooper was a part of it, and you know my personal theory is that uh, unbeknown to him, Tom was part of it. I don't think that he had any idea. I don't think he still does. Um, I don't know if, you know, he will become aware in the near future. But definitely, definitely uh, Cooper uh, Cooper was part of it. And I think he's winding down and he's getting more power. Because right now doesn't seem to be nearly as scared. I mean, he would not go into the building of the, of the um, psychologist, but he would be openly in the street. Yeah. And in the same restaurant and in the same uh, apartment. Yeah. And in his critter palace all the time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That And that that's exactly why I brought it up, because I was trying to find a different point of view. And there it is. Um... Red was, it was an interesting uh, thing because he was all for, I love the way he said, we don't need it. Um, and I, honestly, I think that that is true. And, and that may be reflecting the fact that um, I'm probably much higher in sociopathic tendencies than most people. But uh, I was like, you don't need therapy. You know who you are. You know what you're doing. You're conscious of the things you're doing. Probably Red need more therapy than Liz. Um, I mean, it would be nice if he actually could tell the truth, especially since we know that he's not about danger, because apparently once he's dead, Don can go and tell Liz who he is. So we don't know. It has to be some shame or... 
something of the sort. Oh, I, I could definitely see shame, especially after the conversation they had in season two after the Harbor Master when she's sitting there watching the Harbor Master's mm-hmm. daughter. Um, I, I do think that there's a lot of shame there. They, that he never came back. And, and well, I, I, or whatever he did. I mean, because I think that there's something there that we still don't know that he did, that he's responsible for, that he blames himself for, whether he is or is not responsible. My guess is probably so, just watching his history of things. Um, but that he blames himself for. And. Yeah. I, I thought. <sighs> Definitely he does, and he so you know I should have I should I, he expressed that you know he should have gone home, like he told wrestler somebody wiser than me told me to go home and I didn't. Um, he, he said you know he said he lost the light. You, there's something out there that you, that you lose the light. There is um, he's expressed that feeling over and over again. You know when you go for revenge, dig two graves. That's that's a theme with him. What's yeah. what happens when you go in these things? Um, so I, I'm not. I mean, I think that there is. And he said, I, I haven't done anything for you. Saying, you know, this everything that I've done for Liz is I've done it to assuage my guilt, not to. Not it's not about Liz. It's about himself. And that makes sense, because what is the difference between when he dies? Uh, is that Liz is going to continue the fight for him, or is that, that Liz, then there is no shame because he will be dead and he doesn't care? And why would Dom even entertain that? That's a question. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's going to boil down to what it is that he did, and... Because I mean, we've got Red's point of view, we've got Liz's point of view, and then we've got the truth. They are both... Uh, you're going to have Red and Liz on either side of it with more extreme points of view. Liz feeling as the injured party. Red feeling as whatever he's feeling. I mean, there's it could really either go either way. And then you'll have the truth that's somewhere in the middle, most likely. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that there is something with and maybe Katarina's point of view as well um I I think it's really going to boil down to that uh before we can make an honest judgment of Mm -hmm. of what's the the, the motivation I thought it was very funny in the lines that he gives the uh like the apple doesn't fall far from the trees that uh (laughs) part of which school of psychology uh it was very funny peanuts (laughs) Lucy yeah Lucy and peanuts um, I also thought very funny that he brought up, I want to say something about Red, two things about Red. The first one goes for, he's giving this, this. Um, I, I've been singing this a long time, and it's recently come up again about Red being a raconteur. And like, it's not possible that the bloody Christmas house story is not real. And I've been bringing that, that a raconteur always usually takes a a story that is true and does a little bit of embellishment, you know, omits certain things, exaggerates others, changes a couple of details just to make it a better story. And 
And this was a great point because he's telling the story of this weekend in or this week in in um, where was it? Uh, Sermat or um, I think it was Zermatt. And, you know, there was like he was reading this this unpublished work of Young that was in napkins and things like that. And he's t- calling the most consequential or something like that. And then Dembe goes like, what about that that week in Davos? And you see how the raconteur you you that is a very, very telling things from the character development point of view, because to me, that says that's a way Red tells a story. So don't tell everything that he says and takes it as the absolute truth, because there is Demba saying, "What about that?" And then Red comes out with, "Oh, but that was that was not a chalet. That was a cottage." I, <laughs> yeah, sure, Red. That makes it completely different. Yup. Oh, Red. It's a recovery. It's a great recovery, and it, it illustrates the point of who Red is. And so I tell people, don't take those stories like they're gospel, you know. And and that goes back to what we've discussed time and time again: that people <laughs> like to look at Red and what he says as the absolute truth. When they they think if Red says it, that is the way it is. And it's really that he's a very flawed character, and and just because the writers keep saying he doesn't lie to Liz doesn't mean he's honest. Well, he doesn't lie to Liz. That is factual. Doesn't mean that he's being honest. Exactly. You can you can be telling the truth. You cannot lie and not tell the truth. Yeah. You know, it's like that is the same diatribes. I am not your father, but you're my daughter. No, it doesn't mean that you're the mother. It means that. I relinquish my role of father, but you're still my daughter because that's not up to me. That's up to you to relinquish. I cannot relinquish you being my daughter. So let, let's move into Liz. Um, I, I only had a couple a couple points that we haven't gone over because we, we went over a lot with her between mm-hmm. Fulton and Sinclair. Yeah. And uh, one thing I thought was interesting, and, and both of these have to do with Red on a large scale. Um that uh, the first one was a very interesting conversation they had, where she said, Singleton was in my apartment. He said, it won't happen again. She says, you you don't know that. And he said, yes, I do. And it just, it reminded me of, and then at the end of the episode, there's Sinclair in the apartment. Red had no yep. no power over that. And it reminds me again, as as we were just talking about, that Red is not, omniscient he is he may want to be he may like to give off that vibe but he is not and he can't control everything and he's not a god that's for sure no and regardless on if he would like to give that that vibe off he is not and he cannot he cannot be everywhere at all times. And that's something that Liz, I think, has learned. Um, Because, I mean, he sat there and promised her 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 dream and then quite literally accidentally helped end it. I mean, she doesn't know that part yet, but, I mean, he, he couldn't keep it from not happening is what she knows as of now and that he was involved somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just, I thought it was very interesting in that 
that she's just sitting there looking at him like, and how are you going to stop him? You know, shy of killing him. What are you going to do? You know, Park somebody at my door? Yeah, again. You know, yeah, that goes over well every time. <laughs> Poor. Oh, I, I am very put out that we haven't heard any more about that. Is that he just sort of died off screen. Um, on screen and then acknowledged off screen. Um but anyway, I find it was, it was an interesting scene. It was a very interesting little bit between them. Um, it was. I, f- I found the most interesting thing with Liz is that um, Liz is becoming extremely hard to read, even for Red. Yeah, I, I would agree there. Yes, and I, I think that she had she had this this therapist like. I mean, you have no idea. This is this poor little house kitten that found himself uh, with this tiger in the jungle. And the tiger is just like, yeah, yeah, all right, whatever. Um, I I found uh, interesting that, uh, and I'm not even sure that Liz believes Singleton. I'm not even sure that that everything that Liz is doing is not planned. Um, I, I, she, I did think she gave to him very quickly. Yeah, that's a little too quickly for Liz. So I'm thinking that Liz thought, you know, I need the task force and what you know, keep your enemies, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And when you have him, you can feed him a lot of stuff. Yep, I agree. I very much agree. Um, but they, How about uh, that, that last conversation where she said that she felt uh, the presence, somebody's presence, always watching him? So we've talked a lot about Ballerina Girl. Uh, you know, who is Ballerina mm-hmm. Girl? And that was something that I, I, I kind of caught on to on my rewatch, is that she said that he she felt his presence at her graduation, which we've seen that Red has photos, at least, of her graduation. Whether he was there himself or not, we don't know. But he does have photos. We do have that evidence that she felt him there at her wedding, which we know he was at. Um, mm-hmm. And along with all of that was mentioned this, you know, at ballerina recitals, uh, ballet recitals. And so that makes me wonder if she's ballerina girl. Yeah. Um, I I am in two minds about that. Um, the first theory I developed about Ballerina Girl was that just because the program says 1987 and he sees a girl that could be anywhere from six to nine, because I always explain to people, if you're not from New York City, you probably don't know this, but the rules for child actors in New York are very, very stringent. Um, the time they can be on set, the time they can be on camera, the uh, hours or the minutes that they need between whatever time and set and the next time period, they have to have a chaperone. It's it's a, a very – so they always try and it's more stringent the, the, the younger the child. And that shot with the ballet was actually pretty expensive because they had to rent the theater. They had – with no set on stage – um, they had to rent the, the, the dancers, the guys, uh, I think he, they had even shown like playing, so they may have been musicians. There's a lot of, of 
in those whatever seconds that was, because I don't think that he, that even gets to two minutes, you know, in total no, it, it time. It was very short. It was it was intermixed in between the uh, the Keen Squared uh, shower yeah. scene and and, and the then uh, and wrestler and wrestler getting the box, mm-hmm. you know. So there, there was a lot of other things happening. And that shot would have been incredibly difficult to do. So just because a girl looked to be about nine don't mean that the girl is supposed to be nine. They just yeah. use a, an older actor because it's a lot easier to get the mm-hmm. shots done quickly and effectively and cheaply rather than a smaller child of the actual age. I don't know if you noticed, but the girl who played four-year-old girl it was like six at the time, almost seven. Um, so there's, you know, can't go by exactly the age, but... So the girl and the program may not have been um, uh, mm-hmm. happened at the same time. She may not have been uh, eight, six, or seven years old at the time of in 1987. They just need to pertain to the same girl. Right. Uh, that was my first theory. Um, I've come to think that that is Jennifer, and that that was a recital that Liz went being a toddler. And she wanted to be a ballerina girl, and then she started dancing. And like it was a family thing. And because Liz's birthday is around March, so I thought that that was like an occasion that the family was together. And that Red had these two girls, and they went to see the Jennifer dance, and it was Liz's birthday. Uh, because, I mean, no matter what you think, in order for Liz to have developed that relationship of trust with Red, that instinctive, subconscious trust, she has to have lived with him. A child of four-year-old is not going to remember three days here and a couple of days there. Yeah. So there is a trust and, and know that that's her father and, and, re, and, and have a reaction that has to be ingrained. You can't make that. Um, so, so I, I don't know which one it is, but I think that there may be something that they did, like, you know, maybe that Katharina did, you know, dance or, you know, she was in school or, or, I don't know. I mean, you know, my theory that Carla is Katharina, there is like, Hey, the girls dance and everybody dance in the family and they play piano with grandpa. Yeah. And Red I, talks about the daughter playing piano. I, you know, up until this point, I, I was certain that the ballerina girl was Jennifer. Um, but I, I just found it fascinating that that was put in there, and that's immediately mm-hmm. what my brain went to was. Yeah. And we, we've talked, we've seen Liz mention ballet before when she talked about the way she envisioned her mother as a child. You know, being mm-hmm. a ballerina and dancing. Uh, you know, and going to come back for her, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I mean, this is a running theme. It's, you ah. know, whether it's her or whether it's her and Jennifer, we don't know yet, but it is it is a running theme. And I have two more things. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. Do you remember the little outfit that um, that Agnes was wearing with a little tutu? Yes. A pink yes. tutu. Yes, with, with, with Scotty. With yeah. a pink sweater. Yeah. Hello. There you go. And then you got uh, Beth. In the first episode, you get this little ballerina girl, yeah. you know, in her little school with a pink tutu, and and you know she's wearing this bracelet, and they gives a bracelet to Liz, and then the mother, she takes a mother, that bracelet of the mother. Um, th- there's all these things keep going around, and is the girl is called Beth. Yeah. I mean, it's th- there's a lot pointing back to that, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
So there is there is a lot of ballet that, that come into ballerina. Um, Peter Kotsiopoulos called the, the prima ballerina in the jewelry box, and there's a there's a lot of comments about ballet. And 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 remember the ballet as we know it, it's a Russian thing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's very true, and which ties back to the Russian themes. Yes. Okay. I think that wraps us up. It does. We've been all over the place. <laughs> it's going to be fun to edit. Um, all right. Well, you can catch us on YouTube, on iTunes, and SoundCloud. We are on Tumblr, Twitter, and Facebook. That's the last one. There we are. Um, <laughs> so we love to hear from you guys. Please drop us a line. And those who mentioned us and said that they love hearing us, uh, thank you. We appreciate the listeners. Uh, we know that we have some that are as far away as uh, Europe. So, hi and thank you. Yes, we love you guys. You are fantastic. And, you know, the, you guys are why we do this. Yeah, we, we've got tons of ideas battering around our heads. But, you know, we, we could do it on Tumblr all day long. But it's because people actually tune in and listen to us that we... We, we put the effort into this podcast and, and it is quite a bit of an effort that we put into it. So, um, thank you. Yes. It's well worth it. You know, you guys are fantastic and you make it worth it. And so we appreciate you greatly. And with that, see you next week. All right. Bye-bye.